guys? What's going on? I hope you guys are having a good day. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and welcome to drboycetv.com, the home for intelligent black people. Um, I'm not going to be in there for too long, but I wanted to um, talk to you guys about something that I just saw on my Instagram. Uh, somebody uh, put something on my Instagram about black love that I thought was worth discussing. Uh, black love uh, is important. Black love makes the world go round. Um, I like to talk about love and relationships every now and then because uh, I believe that uh, black love is kind of what drives everything. Black love become comes before black wealth. So uh, if you believe in black wealth, then you have to really try to understand black love because if you don't understand how love and money connect, then you don't understand love, you don't understand money. So anyway, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button. What's going on, everybody on Instagram? I see you guys over there. And uh, I'm going to try to make this quick. Um, this came from an Instagram comment that uh, was made on my page where we were talking about uh, uh, some stuff from one of our, uh, we, we do our intellectual chocolate panels. And on one of the panels, there was a discussion about uh, basically, I guess, people making bad choices, people coming into your life with baggage. Maybe it's, uh, you know, a couple crazy baby daddies or or he's got, you know, some some um, some uh, child support issues or whatever. And uh, and so somebody made a pretty strong comment that I thought was worth uh, repeating here. And I'm going to read it to you and I'm going to share my screen so you guys can actually see what I'm looking at here. Uh, give me one second. Hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button. All right. So the uh, comment came from uh, someone by the name of Natalie Gordon. And Natalie basically says, as a woman, it makes me sick to see some of these women pass up the guy who dresses and speaks well. They see him as a nerd or acting white. Then they go get plowed through plowed through oof, by dozens of no good men, gain a few pounds and a few kids. After getting dogged by a series of dudes, they're used up and fed up. That's when they come back in their 40s and 50s, sometimes 30s, with four kids, sketchy baby daddies, a couple of grandkids, and a body with too much mileage. These women usually dive into the deep end of the church head first. Suddenly, they're holy and looking for a good man to settle down with. Fellas, don't give them the time of day. All of a sudden, they want you even though they saw you as a nerd. Don't fall for it, guys. So, all right. So anyway, so that was the comment that was made. It's a pretty heavy comment. Um, you know, I shared it on the page and I was really interested in the fact that so many people agreed with what Natalie said. Um, I think there's some truth to everything. And so um, I, I thought that Uncle Boyce would come in and kind of give you a little bit of feedback on that. Uh, and I'm going to start by saying that I, I feel like that statement was was a really harsh, very straightforward dose of reality that does apply in some situations. Right. Um, I'm not here to say that it's completely untrue. But I'm certainly not here to say it's completely true. And also, I think the statements, even when they are true, need a little bit of nuance, uh, you know, because because what happens is that you get into these gender battles. And I'm not a big fan of the gender war where it's like, you know, it's 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 all the women's fault. or It's all the men's fault. I, I hate stuff like that. It does, it's, it's overly simplistic to me. Um, but again, I, I think it's all our fault. I think at the end of the day, it's all of our fault. And so what I wanted to do was kind of give you maybe a framework to think about this. But I want you to I want to lay out from the beginning that, first of all, the reason I talk about black love and black relationships is because black love is deeply connected to black wealth in two ways. One, it's very easy to explain economics. I explain economics a lot using black love and black relationship analogies, because most people that claim they don't understand economics, they understand love and relationships uh, and they understand things like sex. And literally most of what happens in a relationship actually 
ties right into what happens economically. Like, for example, if you start a business with somebody, that's a lot like getting married. And the same criteria you use to decide who you want to go into business with is similar to the criteria you might use to decide who you want to share a life with. The only difference is that when you're in a business or excuse me, when, when you're in a business, the risk is not as high as when you're sharing a life. Like your life and your family is the uh, that's the first business you ever have. You know, I talk, I, I actually talked to a young person I mentor. I talked to her this morning and I said, let, you know, let, let's talk about some of the things that you're working through. And let's think about your life like a business, like an institution. Your family is a, is an institution and you have to think about how you're going to structure that. What, who are you going to let into that institution? What What's the protocol, the codes, code of conduct in that institution? What How's that institution going to be shaped to guide those children that are in that space, you know, for the future? So, uh, so I personally think it's really fascinating to talk about uh, love and relationships because people who tend to be successful in life, who tend to go out and make a million dollars a year, are also people who tend to be pretty smart about how they choose who they have around them. They 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 choose women differently, uh, or, or women who make money. They choose their men differently. You know, they they make choices differently. So uh, so everybody in here who's an empire builder. Uh, say yes in the chat if you're an empire builder. I'm talking to empire builders. That's my bias. My bias is that I'm not here to talk to you about love and relationships as just something that's a feel-good experience. I'm not here to talk about love and relationships as, you know, I just want to go get me some. I'm not talking about love and relationships as uh, I'm going to go trust a big button to smile. I'm not talking about love and relationships as uh, all that matters is how you feel and, and how good. No, no, I don't care about that right now. I, I think that you need to also, when you talk about what it means to feel good, you got to think about the short term and the long term. The short term is when you get in there and you get, you know, you get it going and you done did your thing in the bedroom. Sure, that, that'll last you about a day, right? <laughs> Maybe a couple of weeks. I'm talking about long term feeling good. I'm talking about getting up and feeling good about your life on a daily basis. Like that requires strategy. That requires playing chess, not checkers. And the reason I make that qualification is because if you look at the way people's relationships and family structures end up, uh, when they're heavily influenced by society and media that tells you to just do whatever you want with whoever you want, don't think about the consequences, right? People like that, they have messed up lives. They're not happy. They're mad about that. They, they pissed off because they de- baby daddy ain't taking care of the kids. They mad because they paying too much in child support. You know, they, they deal with all kinds of other emotional and physical ramifications that come with not being responsible about how you move. Right. So it's not judgmental, by the way. I want to make sure that's clear, too. I'm not here to judge. I'm here to just kind of give you something that's different. Like I jump in the conversation because I'm like, you know what? I'm smarter than all these fucking people that are running around here. Like, like you got because like I, I get I get so I get I get it drives me crazy to hear like some of the relationship gurus online. You know, I'm like, really? You know, like, I, I mean, there are some people who literally are just like, OK, if I just go in here and tell women exactly what they want to hear and give them, you know, tell them you're perfect, you're a queen. And these men are just too weak to uh, to, to be able to, you know, deal with a strong black woman. Right. Then I'm going to get all this applause. I'm going to get your money and that's it. But I'm not going to solve the damn problem. I'm massaging your ass, telling you you're cute, uh, but, but at the same time saying, pay $20 for my book and, and I'll make you feel even better. That's what a dope addict does. That's what a dope dealer does. A dope dealer just says, I'm not going to help you get out of your misery. I'm not going to help you actually solve the problem. 
I'm just going to give you something that will take you mentally out of your situation so that you'll feel good in the middle of your misery. I'll make you more comfortable in your misery. Almost like somebody at a hospice. You know, you know when you go to a hospice, you go to a hospice, not because you're getting better. You go to a hospice because you're pretty much prepared to die. And in a hospice, they don't say, we're going to give you this medication and make you better. In a hospice, they say, we're going to make you more comfortable as you cycle and spiral your way down to death. Right. So that so a lot of people, unfortunately, they don't really give you um, they don't give you help. They don't give you uh, medication. They don't help you get better. They don't help you solve the problem. They just take you to the hospice and keep you doped up on the best morphine possible so that you can continuously blame other people for the for the big mess that is called your life. I'm not a fan of that. I don't do that here. That's not the goal. Right. I'm a mathematician. Mathematicians solve problems. We get on chalkboards and we say A plus B times 12 divided by two equals. Under. And if we don't get a solution, we have failed. Right. If we don't, if we can't figure out a solution, then we have not done our job. So there you go. So do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the share button. Hit the subscribe button. Please do that. And uh, let me just kind of give you a quick breakdown of, of some of this and why I decided to jump in on this particular uh, issue today while I was on my mind. I read that comment on my Instagram. My Instagram is the real voice walkings, by the way, if you want to follow me on the gram. And I saw what the sister said, and I have no issue with what the sister said at all in the sense that, you know, I, I respect it as a perspective. I think that people have seen this. Um, I know that it's real, but we can't sit here and pretend like men don't have our issues as well, right? Also, we can't pretend like the situation varies for different people. Uh, okay, sure. You know, you had your fun when you were young. You got it in. You did what you were going to do when you were young. Now you're older. Now you've changed. Now you have different values, right? And and now you're going back to the to the market with a different objective. And maybe the market will give you what you want. Maybe it won't. Different people get different outcomes. Some people are smarter than others. Some people are more attractive than others. Some people can get away with that. If you're the finest girl, if you if you're the finest girl in the room at the age of 42, and you lived a little bit of a life back in the day, maybe there is that guy who always wanted to be with you, who will be very happy to take you and your three kids and your three baby daddies and whatever, right? But the, the rules don't work for everybody the same way. That's my point. The rules don't work for everybody the same way. Uh, if you want to use an investing terminology, that's what we call systematic factors and idiosyncratic factors. Systematic factors are things that tend to work a certain way on average across the board for everybody. That's that's kind of broad based. Like so, when I make a broad based generalization, I'm talking about systematic. Like on average, if you are if you only have a GED. Uh, you probably can't make $300,000 a year working five hours a week, right? On average, that's not going to happen. On average, that's unrealistic. But if you go through a country of 330 million people, there's probably some people out there that have a GED who make $300,000 a year who work five hours a week. Those people exist. Well, those people exist because they figured something out. They figured out a loophole in the process. Maybe they got really lucky. Maybe they figured out how to start a business and now they're making crazy money, right? They bent the rules to fit a reality that they wanted to have. So what I think is that it, when somebody says that's not possible, like a woman who doesn't look like this can't attract a man like that, or a man who's like this can't get a woman like that, or women always do this and men always do that. I, I, I always think about it. Well, no, actually that might be true in general, but let's separate the general from the specific, right? So your life is very specific. Your life is general. It's not general. Your, your life is not going to turn out the way it does for a million other people per se, but you can't go through life always thinking you're going to be the exception to the rule either, right? So so what does that mean? Well, that means like, so when somebody says that a woman or a man, it's, it's true it's true for men and women, right? So this is not gender specific on any level. If somebody says a woman can't 
you know, go a woman will go and, and, and date the thugs while she's young and then go and try to get the nerdy good guy when she gets older. Um, yes, that does occur. Um, but it doesn't always mean that somebody's trying to get over on the system. It also doesn't mean that it all that's definitely going to end badly. Uh, and it also doesn't mean that the person who does date that woman who's made some mistakes is necessarily getting played as a sucker. It just means that whatever she brought to the table made it worthwhile for, for the exchange. Let me, let me give you a real example. Um, if somebody says, is it better if, if, if women are the same, if you got two women that are equal in every way, one woman has three kids, the other woman has no kids, which woman is a better pick? Well, a lot of people will say, oh, the woman with, the woman with no kids. Absolutely, right? Well, you know, that's not a good answer. That's not a good answer. And it's not a good answer because there are about probably 50 different factors that you should consider before you decide to merge your life with another person. Um, uh, it, it also comes down to knowledge of self. What do you value? What matters to you? So let me give you an example that uses me as a, personally. My father uh, was a very, my father was a very handsome man. I, when I grew up, I watched, I would see women, how they looked at my dad and how they talked to him and flirt with him and all that. Well, my dad was in his early 20s and he married my mother. And my mother had a baby. That baby was me. Um, and I wasn't exactly a piece of cake to raise. I, I, I did. All, I, I gave him hell like every other you know little kid does. But my father loved me. My father met me when he was 21 years old. He fell in love with me. We've been we've been cool ever since. We are very close ever since. Uh, and in his 20s, he could have been a player player. He could have been out in the street. He could have been doing his thing. But he chose every day to come home to me and my mother, even though he didn't have to. Now, some people will say he was a simp and a sucker, right? Uh, maybe that's the case. I don't know. Maybe he was simping for my mother. Uh, maybe my mother had something about her that was so special and unique because my mother was a cutie pie, too. She's a real pretty lady back in the day. Um, you know, maybe she has something special and unique where he was like, you know, I'll put up with this little big head boy because I want to be next to that woman. Or maybe it was something about me, right? Maybe he saw children as a blessing, right? It, it was idiosyncratic. It was specific to him. It was specific to him, right? And so what, what, I, what I think that we have to get past is this idea that there's always a one-size-fits-all for everything, right? That's just not true. Also, we have to get over the idea that any so-called deficiency, any apparent deficiency we have can't be compensated for something else. Let me give you another, let me give you an example. Um, I have baggage. I had a daughter when I was 18. I had a, I paid 18 years of child support. It was tough. And I got God kids. I got a lot of God kids that I just love to death, like they're my own children. So I'm a man with baggage, right? Lots of baggage, right? Um, but you know what? Um, you know, it, I also have a lot of good factors. Maybe my income level is a good thing. I'm pretty smart. I'm a pretty nice dude. I treat women pretty well, right? And so it would be kind of interesting and silly to say, because of that one thing, this guy can't find a quality woman, right? Or another thing, I'll take, give you another example. I, I, I specifically, I did online dating like 20 years, like a long time ago. I can't do it. I would never do it now because, I mean, when you get more public, that's it's stupid. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. But back then when I tried it, I literally would get a message from women who would say, I'm sorry, but I don't date men who are over six feet tall. I mean, who are under six feet tall. They would just say that. And I'd be like, what you mean? What you talking about? You don't know what you're missing, girl. You don't know what you're missing. No, that's her preference. It's her right to have a preference. It's her right to have a preference. And, and what I think that you should understand, and this is me going into my scientist mode, when, I, when, we, when, when, when we studied stock option theory back in, um, back in uh, graduate school, the first thing we learned about options is that options always have value and constraints. 
always reduce the value of your options. So when you put a constraint on yourself, there's a price for that constraint. Right. Every time you narrow your list, like every time, you know, you know, I get those people that try to date and they have a big, long ass list. Like I need this and this and this and this has like 30 things on it. Well, every time you put something on your list, this is the mathematical theory I'm telling you here. Every time you put something on your list, you you are paying a price for that constraint. So every time you say um, I need him to be this tall. I need that's one constraint. I need him to weigh this much. That's another constraint. I need him to make this much money. I need him to do this and this. I need him to live in blah, 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 blah. Right. Every time you create a constraint, you're shrinking your universe down of possibilities. Right. But but the same at the same time, if you have just one variable that becomes like your defining factor, like you're a one issue voter, you got to be real serious about that because that constraint's going to cause you to push a lot of fish out of the sea a lot of people out of, out of that opportunity space. And, and, and so what I would say is this, look, nobody has a right to tell you what your constraints should be. Nobody has a right to tell you what your list should have on it. It doesn't matter if people say, oh, but you simping because you dated a woman with kids. Well, fuck him. He's simping because he's sitting at home by himself, right? He can't get a woman, right? Or whatever. Or it, it doesn't matter if, if another woman says, oh, well, what's wrong with you? Why would you date a man like that? Well, if that man makes you happy and that helps you achieve your goal, then who, who cares what they think? Fuck them. Like you make the decision that works best for you. And, but, but here's the other thing too. If you talk about it from an empire building standpoint, and I'm talking to people that actually want to have something, I tend to attract people that have like logic and common sense and have goals and things like that. A lot of Negroes ain't got no goddamn goals. So so that I don't I don't make sense to them. I don't translate for them. So if you're one of those people, then you should probably go to like World Star or something. But if you're here because you have goals, I think it's really important to consider how people you bring in your life fit into your goals. Right. Like when corporations decide how to merge, like if I'm a company, a merger is just like a marriage. That's all a marriage is, is a merger. It's, in fact, it's a legal contract, just like a corporate merger is. So when a corporation is sitting there, they chilling, they're making money, they're making their billions and they're thinking, hmm, who do we want to merge with? Well, three factors that they tend to look at are the following. And this can apply to relationships. Number one, they look for synergy. Synergy basically says that if I hook up with if I hook up with you, I'm going to be in a better position than I would be if I was by myself. So like when you hear women say I could be broke by myself, well, that's kind of saying like you're not adding much synergy to my life. Like, And, and synergy also doesn't just mean that we're going to be better together. It also means that there's a magic. There's a magic there because we fit together. It means that two plus two does not equal four. It means that two plus two can equal six. Right. Because we fit together in a perfect way. I need I, I got peanut butter. You got jelly. I got hot dogs. You got buns. I got, you know, I, I have the left shoe, you have the right shoe, therefore we make a nice pair of shoes, right? So synergy is something corporations look for to decide that they want to merge with another company. The second thing you might want to look for that, co- that corporations look for anyway is, you know, is, is a little bit in that baggage category. Like, so what Natalie Gordon said on my Instagram page is absolutely on point in the sense that she was talking about baggage, right? Um, baggage, you know, what, what the choices you've made uh, to this point really do matter, right? So when a company is thinking about merging with another company, they're going to look at their balance sheet. They're going to say, okay, what decisions has this company made in the past? Uh, how much debt has this company taken on? If this company is taking on too much debt, this may not be good for us. Um, you know, what What kind of management structure does this company have? How do they, what's their process look like? Let, let, let me do a walkthrough. Let me do a tour through the factory. Let me meet some middle managers to understand how this company operates. That is how companies decide if they want to merge it with other companies. Uh, and if, if you are messy, 
you know, if you're if you've been living your life willy nilly and making crazy choices and putting stuff out, you know, doing stuff that's all over the place, then nobody's going to want to merge with you. They're going to say there's too much baggage here. This is too much. This is a mess. So similarly in your life, uh, there is an argument to be made that how you live when you're young is going to determine what your options will be when you get older. And, it, you know, and, and so when you talk about this. Like this idea that you can go out here and you can go like, like, I'm going to tell you, like, let's use a real example. Sierra um, has a baby with future and then she's, she gets with Russell Wilson. I think that's a bad fantasy to feed young black women to make them think they can go sleep with future and have kids with a guy like a future and then attract the interest of a Russell Wilson. Most Russell Wilsons I know are not going to even touch a woman who's been with a man like future because that brings a whole lot of chaos. You, you got a baby, you got a crazy baby daddy, and you and, and this guy raps about having sex with multiple women at the same damn time. So that means that you could have some STDs to come with that. A, a guy may say, I don't want to deal with all of that, right? Uh, and I think at the same time, though, I think with men, I think that we, we also don't acknowledge that men and women want different things. Um, most men I know don't sit around fantasizing about what they're going to wear on their wedding day. They don't read bridal and groom magazines the same way some women will read bridal magazines or they go to a wedding, they get, they start crying and get horny and stuff like that because love just gets them excited. Men don't do that. Men are chasing something completely different. And so when we act like the rules are the same for men and women, I think that's a lie too. That's a misguided truth to make a want to when, So the worst thing a woman can say when she gets a, here's a critique is to say, well, men can do it, so why can't I do it? Well, shit. What if somebody said, you know, boys, uh, you, you know, boys. Uh, let's say that I'm I'm a Burger King employee, right? And I'm like, man, I should be able to pull the same women as the guy who's got a million dollars in the bank. And somebody's like, nah, boys, I don't think that's gonna work. I think if everything else is equal, the 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 neurosurgeon is gonna get more positive female attention than you will in your Burger King uniform. And I might be like, well, women can do it. Women can be in a Burger King uniform and attract all kinds of men. Well, that's because she's in a different criteria space. She's getting measured on a different set of standards than you. You're not a woman. Stop thinking you're a woman. You're not a woman. So the same thing can be true when it comes to women. You ain't a man. Stop thinking that the rules of men apply to women. Right. So so that's why when I heard uh, Kevin, um, uh, the brother, uh, the, 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 the um, you know, the, the uh, uh, dating consultant, uh, Kevin Samuels. When I heard Kevin Samuels, you know, uh, talking to the woman, one thing he said that made a lot of sense was, you know, he, he, she's like, well, I make six figures. He should be making six figures, too. He's like, men don't care about that. Men who make money don't care how much money you have. They, they I just don't. I, I don't. I, I've never, ever walked up to a woman and been like, damn, I wonder how she can, like, help me pay my bills. No, I, I, I don't. You know, I, I've always felt my job is to pay my own bills. I'm thinking about some other stuff, right? More, you know, some of that man stuff that we don't want to get into. So what I will say to you is that when you're talking about choices, choices matter. Um, I think you for young, this is advice for young people from Uncle Boyce. You think of, think of your life like a book and every choice you make, uh, you're writing a new chapter in that book. And the chapter is written in ink and ink can be scratched over, but you can't erase it. You cannot erase the ink. So every time you write a new chapter in that book, or write a new page in that book, just know somebody's going to go through and they're going to read your fucking book. And if, you, if their book is clean and your book is messy, then they're going to be like, damn, why am I going to take on a messy book? Why am I going to take on somebody else's problems? And, and it doesn't mean that they won't do it. Again, I told you there's no hard, fast rules to any of this. Everything's specific. But in many cases, when somebody does take all that on, 
there usually has to be something amazing about that person that will make them say, you know what, I'll take on all of that because all of this is so great. Right. Like so maybe so maybe the finest woman in the room can maybe get away with some stuff that the mediocre looking woman can't get away with. I'm just telling you the truth. Or the woman who takes good care of herself physically is going to get a different set of opportunities from the woman who lets herself go and thinks that, you know, with me, my 400 pounds and three kids should be just as attractive as Beyonce. No, it's not. It's just not true. So, but the same thing is true with men. Everything I said with women, it's not gender specific. Everything I said with women can be true with men as well. So a man who is 35 years old, who's got three kids and three babies, mamas, um, you, you know, if you're dealing with a woman who's got her shit together and she's made good choices in her life, a lot of those women are going to write you off just like that. Right. But maybe if you are tall and handsome and super smart and, and super witty and you're a great guy and you treat her well, there might be women who will overlook all that. There you go. And, and so 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 really, um, in a way, it's like I, I've always thought of dating and mergers, whether it's corporate mergers or human mergers, almost like um, going into a store. And you and you want to buy something in the store in the store. And let's say the car you're buying a car. Let's say the car costs ten thousand dollars. And, you know, some people show up with three thousand dollars. They say, I want that ten thousand dollar car. And they're like, no, you can't have the ten thousand dollar car when you've only got three thousand bucks. But then you might have another person who says, I only have three thousand dollars. But um, I'll take on another eight thousand dollars on in debt. I'll write a. I have good credit, and I'll, I'll sign a contract where you have the other eight thousand dollars. Well, then the car dealer says, "Okay, you can have the car, even though you both have the same amount of money. One of you has credit, the other one has no credit, right? So, so you're you're offering me three thousand dollars with nothing else. You're offering me three thousand dollars plus an eight thousand dollar loan that will allow me to give you the car. So, at, at the end of the day, all that matters is that at the end of the day. The total is above $10,000. So if I'm thinking about what kind of woman I want, right, I have a number. Maybe the, in my mind, the, in my metric stick says I need the woman to be to cross the $10,000 barrier, right? So, so, so one woman comes in, she's got no kids, and she's drop dead gorgeous. Another woman comes in, maybe she's not as pretty, and, she, and she's got the three kids, right? Uh, but then at that point, there's about eight other variables, at least 10 other variables that will come into play. So let's say the woman that is mediocre looking, that has the three kids, let's say that, you know, she's super sweet. The other woman is a bitch. Let's say that this woman is super smart. The other woman ain't the brightest bulb in the room. Let's say that this woman has a bright future and is making good choices in her life. The other one is making messy choices and is going to cause me all kinds of stress and chaos. Who do you think is going to win that competition? Right. I, I, again, assuming that we don't talk about just leaving and finding somebody else. Right. Like like so. So my point is to say that I think it's kind of dismissive and problematic when you tell somebody that because they've made bad mistakes, you ain't got a shot. Like nobody will want you. You know, your life is going to be miserable because you're never going to get what you want. That's just not true. That's not that doesn't reflect the nuance of life choices. What it, what it says, though, is that, OK, you've got this deficiency you're going to have to work to overcome that. Like, so for example, um, I told you, I, the, the funny thing was a lot of women like men over six feet tall. That always pissed me off. I'm like, what the hell does that have to do with anything, right? You you ain't nothing but five foot eight, but you got to have a man that's six feet tall. Again, that goes back to the double standards. So remember I was saying that the worst thing you can say as a man is, well, if women can do it, men can do it too. No, 
a, a woman who's five foot eight might want a man who's six feet tall. It ain't the same for men. A man who's five foot eight is not going to say, I want a six foot tall woman unless he's weird. Maybe Kevin Hart or somebody like that. But most men are not going to think that way, right? Just like a woman who has no money can say, you know, I want a man that's got some money, right? And you can't be like, well, you ain't got no money. What are you bringing to the table? She might be bringing some a, a fat ass to the table. She might be bringing some good cooking to the table. She might be bringing some good sex to the table. She might be bringing excellent companionship to the table, right? What men can bring to the table differs from what women can bring to the table. And what really matters really at the end of the day is if you're trying to attract the interest of the person that you want to get interest from, what really the, the kicker I found is figuring out, well, what do you want me to bring to the table? What do you value? What do you value? Because if I tell you, if I tell you what you should value, well, you should value me because because I got an MBA and I'm fine as hell and I'm looking good and blah, 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 blah. That might not even be what somebody wants. Like that might literally like seriously, if a, like 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 that's the biggest mistake I see is I will see. Uh, I'm, and this, this is my bias. I believe we don't listen to men. I really don't. I believe that people tell men what they are supposed to want instead of really studying what men actually want and not judging that. Right. And, and it, it, is, it makes me laugh when you'll have a woman who's drop dead gorgeous, all this education, and it's still like, what's wrong with these men? I got it all. Why, why can't men? We, I have it. Why don't men want a woman? Well, there's obviously something happening there that's slipping under your radar screen. You're missing something in your calculation. Now, you could go through life and just say men are stupid and men just, men can't, you know, you go listen to some of these relationship gurus online to who gonna tell you, well, the reason men keep passing you over is because they don't understand what a beautiful flower you are. No, it might be because you're a bitch. It might be because when you walk in the room, you bring a dark cloud in the room uh, and, and it makes and it makes everybody feel terrible and because you think you're so all that that you're really hurting the feelings of everybody in your space right and men don't like that men don't like bitches men like nice women men, you know the best way let me tell you let me just tell on myself here alicia won me with her smile she got my attention with her looks she won me with her smile and her warmth right but that was me that's my personal preference when she smiled at me and said oh hi Right. I, I felt welcome. I felt invited. And, and then and then, you know, and then I saw other stuff. I saw the curves. I saw, the, you know, and she's intelligent. Right. That Again, but that's a personal preference. Right. So. So what I would just say is that, you know, I, I think that people don't get what they want because they don't really know what they're supposed to bring to the table. They don't even know. They just think they just think that what they have is perfect. And nobody tells them nobody tells them about their bullshit, you know, because people overreact when they get constructive criticism and they, they think that every type of constructive criticism is some sort of a, an attack. And I guess that that happens maybe because I think black women get attacked a lot. Black women get attacked too much. And then everybody blames black men for all their problems. Like every Everything in the world is always a black man's fault. We, we lost the election. Black men did it. Hey, yeah, this, this families are breaking up. Black men did it. Man, black men did it, right? So, so everybody's tired of being attacked. And I think that, though, what I've learned is that the best way to get better is to let yourself get criticized by people you trust. Well, they can really tell you about yourself so that because you got to ask yourself, is my goal to solve the problem or is my goal to have somebody tell me what I want to hear? So so to go back to that analogy with uh, with corporations, when you think about relationships like a corporate merger, three things companies look for when they want to merge with another company. One, they look for synergy. If I connect with you, are you going to make my life better? Is it going to be easier for us to do to get things done because we're working as a team? Or are you going to be a detriment and a liability? Pull me back, drag me down, et cetera. Right. Number two. 
Um, what kind of choices have you made? I'm going to look through your balance sheet. I'm going to look through your whole corporate history. I'm going to look at your management team. I'm going to look at how you do things, your, your, your core values, your operating procedure. And that's going to tell me if you are a fit for me. If your core values are not my core values, then it ain't going to work, right? So when you link up with another human being, you have to look at their values. What do they believe in? Do they believe in hard work and determination? Do they value education? Do they, how do they think about children? How do they, you know, does that woman respect men? That's a big one. Right? A lot of women just think they can disrespect men like crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. But then also for women, maybe it's, you know, what kind of man are you? Are you going to really show up for me and protect me and defend and support me the way I need you to? Or are you going to buckle like a bitch, right? So you got to know what that man's core values. Are you a man who makes a baby and takes care of that damn baby as a core value of who you are? Or am I going to have to chase you down and, and, and follow you to the club with, with hair rollers and bunny slippers to get you to take care of your own damn kids? Am I going to have to beg you to buy a damn box of diapers? Or are you the man who believes that it's important for you to provide and to be there for your child no matter what, right? There are that's a, There's a difference. There's a difference. You know, men, men are raised different. Some men are not raised, in, you know, in a way that leads to like accountability and responsibility, right? And so, so anyway, let me keep going. Number three is uh, corporations that value prospects for the future. They do what they call discounted cash flow analysis. They look at the company's investment opportunities and they look at how much money the company is expected to make in the future. And then they evaluate that and they say, OK, we want to get on this train because this company's got a bright future. and We can actually help them get to their future even faster because the synergy is so strong. So how do you translate that to human beings? It's not just financial. It's really just, I think, looking at a person's day-to-day choices and saying, are these day-to-day choices going to lead to good things or bad things? So if he sits in the basement all day long, smoking weed and playing Xbox and blames the white man for every failure in his life and doesn't ever want to get up and work toward anything, then you might want to consider that in terms of whether or not you want to have that man around. Uh, you know, Maybe you think the sex is good, but you got to ask yourself, that's a damn high price to pay for some good sex. Is that really worth it? I don't know, right? Uh, this, but same thing is true, I think, with, with, with women. Like, if you are a man and you're with a woman and you're trying to em- empire build, right? Like, like you're a man, and I, again, my bias is I'm definitely an empire builder. My family is like a fucking kingdom to me. Like, my my children, all of us, we are a family. Bit. We're like the mafia up in this mug. Like, we got a code of conduct. We have a way of doing things. We have, a, a, we have things that we will not tolerate in this space. You bring that bullshit here, I'm going to put you out very quickly, right? So if you are an empire builder and you are a king, then you must ask yourself, is this woman fit to be a queen, right? There is a way queens carry themselves. There is a way that a queen will conduct the family business. There's a way the queen will protect the empire. There's a way the queen will support and protect and provide and and and, and have, have your back in, in everything you're trying to do. There's a way a queen can provide adequate counsel. There's a way a queen solves problems. There's, there's, there's queening and then there's this ratchet shit, you know, this whole, you know, wet ass pussy nonsense that you hear from Cardi B and all this like screaming, hollering, acting a damn fool, whatever. Like, like that's not that's not it. That's not it. I'm not telling you again. I'm, I'm, I'm being a little biased. So I'm talking. This is too much voice bias. So I got to chill out with that a little bit. But I'm just telling you, uh, it, you know, I'm telling on myself here in terms of bias. I, all that drama, all that chaos does not allow for an empire to adequately build. It just doesn't work. Uh, even mafia gangsters understand that when the violence and the chaos and the and the wars get too big, the wars kill your ability to do business. So if you're always at war with your woman, then you're, you're not going to really be able to build much around that because you're going to spend all your energy fighting each other and it's not going to work. So you have to say, OK, 
what type of partner do I need in this process? Do I need, I maybe, maybe I'm super alpha and I just want a woman, I'm, I'm making all millions of dollars. I'm looking for a woman who's gonna, you know, just sit in the background and, and be a great socialite and cook the dinner every day and take care of the kids. That's cool. It's your right to want that. Or maybe you want a woman who's an entrepreneur with you, who's going to go to battle with you every day and you're going to run the family business together. It's your right to want that, right? Or maybe you, maybe you want something else. Maybe you want a professional woman who's doing something completely different where she's got a, you know, a corporate job and she's not interfering with whatever you're trying to do on the left-hand side and you come together at the end of the day. It's your right to want that, right? And and, and that's where self-awareness comes into play. The best way to understand other people and to understand your relationship to the world is really to understand yourself. You have to spend time thinking, what works for me? What do I need? What, what complements what I'm trying to do? And how do I, like, it, my life is like puzzle pieces. How do I piece together the right puzzle? Like, you know, like the way the Lakers and LeBron got together and said, our team sucks. What puzzle pieces do we need to add that will help us have a championship team? And that's how the Lakers went from being one of the worst teams in the league to win in the NBA finals the next year because they said, oh, you know what we need? We need an Anthony Davis and we need a, a Rajon Rondo and we need to get rid of this guy over here because he sucks, right? That you take out the negative, you, you replace it with the positive and that's how you build an empire, okay? So I, I, just, I just had to throw this in there and I will say though that that I I don't think it's fair to to write anybody off. I think it's just depressing to tell you know anybody like oh your life is going to be miserable. You'll never find anybody because I just think that that's not true. I think that there's somebody out there for everybody. Looking for a partner is a little bit like looking for a job, right? It's like there's a job pretty much for anybody that wants to work, right? Now the problem could be though that the job you're seeking the pay that you're seeking is above your pay grade, right? You're seeking a job that pays you a certain amount of money, but you don't necessarily have the resume that's likely to get you that kind of money. And so you're unemployed and you don't understand why you're unemployed. Like you say, gosh, you know, I got my GED and I'm willing to work 10 hours a week. I don't know why no one will pay me $300,000 an hour. Well, somebody's got to slap you upside your fucking head and say, because you're not worth $300,000. Sorry, I said $300,000 an hour, $300,000 a week or, or or year. Sorry, I'm going to say year. Sorry, I'm getting all mixed up. But but like somebody has to slap you upside your head and say, you're not worth $300,000 a year. That's not going to, that's probably not going to happen. So you can sit back and keep waiting for something that probably won't exist. That's what a lot of people do. You have some people literally that will spend their whole lives seeking something that does not exist. Like I need somebody who's going to put up with all of my bullshit and ask me for nothing, but give me everything that I want. Well, you're going to have some competition. You're going to have some competition. So, so I go back to Kevin Samuels' video where he was talking to that lady, and I, I thought that was an interesting conversation. Um, I like Kevin Samuels. I think he's a very smart guy. But I also do agree that, you know, with those who felt that he was a little bit too harsh on her, and I feel sorry for her. I really did. Because and you know why I really felt sorry for her? It's because when he told her she was going to die alone, I said, damn, he's probably right. He's right. I just don't think it's up to him to say that, though. I don't think it's up to him to tell her that. I just hope that she realizes that if you don't shift something in your approach, there's a good chance this is not going to work out for you. And, 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 the, and the reason I know that that's true is because if, it, if everything she was doing to that point was working perfectly well, she wouldn't have been there in the first place. She would be like me. I, I'm not going to go on that show and ask for relationship advice because I got what I wanted. I'm happy. I'm good. Right. But when you're not good, you have to say, well, why am I not good? Am I willing to humble myself enough to hear from people with another point of view who can help me find my blind spot, right? Again, you're, you got a GED. You want to work 10 hours a week. You're looking for a $300,000 a year job. 
it somebody needs to help you and tell you that you might want to search for 50,000 a year or something that's more of a fit, or you can increase your qualifications to get the 300,000. At the very least, I got to make you um, uh, realistic about what the market looks like and to let you know, like, look, most of the people that get $300,000 a year jobs, they got MBAs, they got a certain amount of experience, they do this. So you might want to start your own business. You might want to go back to school. You might want to improve your game. But if you're sitting there telling me you're willing that you want everything and you're not willing to change, and, and, and right now there's a gap between what you want and what you have, then I don't know how to help you. I don't. I mean, how how is how in the hell is it that you're gonna sit still? You telling me you in New York and you want to go to California, and I and I'm I'm giving you a map to get there, and you don't want to move. You say I want to go to California, but I need California to come to me. What the fuck does that mean? California is not going to move. California is not coming to you. California is still gonna stay on the West Coast. So you got to get there. I can, you can walk. You can ride the bus. You can uh, ride a bike. You can get on an airplane. Uh, I can get, tell you all the different methods to get there, but if you tell me you don't want to move and you don't want to buy a plane ticket and you don't want to buy a bus ticket, you don't want to walk, then what the hell am I supposed to do with that? All I can do is walk away and let you sit there in New York wishing you were in California. So so, so the question is, do you want to spend your life wishing or do you spend your life getting results? Okay, so anyway, that was on my mind today, and uh, and I don't know why. I, I just had to share that, and, and it probably, half of it probably didn't even sound like it made a whole lot of sense. But I hope that some of it made enough sense that you get that the intention and the spirit with which it was delivered. It was not delivered to make anybody feel bad. It was more to say that usually life will get you what you pay for. Right. So whatever you want in your life. And I think your relationships are really important because when we talk about wealth and economics, um, you, you really can't build wealth without building healthy relationships. Most wealth, most business is driven by relationships, your ability to relate to other people, your ability to connect with the right people, your ability to, to resolve disputes. And so that's why um, I think that you really want to understand this relationship component, because I see a lot of people ruining their lives with bad relationships because society teaches you to make those decisions without much thought. They teach you that if she's cute and got a big button to smile, you're supposed to go hit that. No, you're not. No, you're not. You, you find another way to get that out of your system. Find a different kind of woman, especially brothers. Seriously, when you get to the point where you really got something to lose and you're really trying to be somebody and accomplish something, and you, you, you go around laying down with these with some more trashy ass woman who doesn't have anything to lose, then she's gonna she's gonna take what you got. You're gonna be the loser because you're gonna put yourself in a bad situation. So same thing is true with women. I see women that have a lot going on for themselves, and because there's maybe an emotional deficiency, maybe something that happened with the daddy that needs to be worked out with a therapist or whatever. Next thing you know, you got some old thug up in your bedroom. You you up here trying to climb the corporate ladder. You up here trying to go make a million dollars, and and you got thugnificent in your bedroom, causing all kinds of chaos in your life, and. <laughs> it doesn't work out well. I'll tell you one example I can think of. I remember there was this one lady I knew who uh, was, again, she was like Miss Corporate, you know, doing really well, making a lot of money. And she really wanted to get married. Like she really had this um, void in her heart where she really felt like she had to have a husband. Like that was, it didn't matter who it was. She just needed a husband. Like just, I will fall in love with fill in the blank and love him for the rest of my life. Like that was her thinking. And so she finally got her wish. She got her husband and it was a dude who uh, he, he had done some time in, in a pen. She met him like it was like literally like prison pen pal type thing, right? Which really, again, that's the thing where I'd say, not no, don't disrespect anybody that's locked up. You know, I got a lot a big heart for my brothers and sisters that are in prison, but these systems, they, they create a lot of dysfunction and mental illness. And so you got to kind of be very thoughtful about these things. So anyway, 
so she forms, gets a little a prison pen pal, and, and nobody will give you more attention than a guy in prison, like a guy who you know, like like he's got all all he's got time to do is write you love letters, right, and tell you wonderful things and all. So 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 she falls in love with the guy. She marries him as soon as he gets out, and uh, and 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 then one day she gets a Christmas card from a neighbor, right. And and the neighbor sent the neighbor sends everybody a Christmas card. And it's a picture of and on the Christmas card, there's a picture of him and the family, like, like, hi, Merry Christmas, right? And so he looks at the card and he thinks that this dude is hitting on his wife. So he goes to the house, bangs on the dude's door, boom, 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 boom. And the guy answers, like, hey, what's going on, uh, Tyrone, whatever his name was. And he's like, and he shows up, he got a wife beater on. It's like two in the afternoon because he ain't going, he ain't at work, his wife's at work. And he's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and he's like, that's a Christmas card. And he's like, man, don't you be sending my wife Christmas. Don't you be hitting on my wife. <laughs> and so, so she's going around apologizing to the neighbors because he's like going and embarrassing her. So that's one funny example of a mismatch, right? And I'm not, this is not any way disparaging, you know, the, the like, like, I mean, there, I know a lot of people that have gone to prison men and women who have recovered and become extremely productive members of society. Some, some of them are better than a lot of the people that never went to the pen. But then there are some people, we all know that there's some folks who come back who ain't quite right, right? So what my point is on this is to say that sometimes we have voids. Sometimes we have things in our heart and our soul that, 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 that hold us back, um, that create limitations, you know, psychologically. And, uh, and I will tell you, that with all my heart, that I'm a huge advocate of therapy. I'm a huge advocate. Therapy will make you better no matter who you are or how perfect you are. No matter how great your life is, some good therapy will help you go to the next level. So maybe you're on level one and you're trying to go to level three, or you're on level nine and you're trying to go to level 10. It doesn't matter. Therapy is good for you because it really helps you dig into your shit. So like the saying I, I throw around with my sisters, I say, you know, you... If you deal with your shit, then you can be the shit. But you usually can't be the shit unless you deal with your shit and overcome your shit. You you deal with your shit, overcome your shit, then you get to be the shit. But people who don't deal with their shit, they end up swimming in shit. They never get to be the shit, right? So my point is to say that if you don't overcome your limitations, then you can never reach your potential. So uh, so just consider that. Consider some self-help. Maybe watch some videos on how to do things better. Just know that whatever your problem is, somebody's probably written a book about this. Somebody's written a book. Somebody's done a video about it, right? So why try to solve the problem on your own when there are people out here that have the solution? You know, like like if you are young, it, it, you know, the worst thing a young person can do is to solve all their problems and not talk to any older people. Grandma probably done been through everything you're going through, and she could probably give you advice that will save you 10 years of misery, right? Or or, or getting on the internet and listen, just listen to somebody like me. I love, I love, I do these kinds of talks because I have a heart for people maybe that don't have a daddy to give them advice. Or maybe you just got some dumbass relatives who can't who can't even go to your level or whatever. And I say, you know, I'm gonna share this. Because I've seen two, I've seen examples. I've had people message me and tell me. One guy told me he was literally about to kill himself, and he saw my video right when he was about to kill himself, and it kept him from killing himself. Ever since I heard that, I said, "Okay, boys, I know you don't like getting in people's business. You don't like putting yourself out there in that particular way, but you need to do this because it may help somebody." So even so, if ten thousand people watch the video, even if nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine people get nothing from it, 
I'm doing it for that one person who does. So I hope that that helps you. I hope that this conversation can be taken with the spirit it was intended. Um, I know sometimes I sound stupid because sometimes I say stupid things. But uh, at the end of the day, this is my best effort to say to you that the answers to your life are out there. If your goal is to make a million dollars a year, the answer is out there. If your goal is to find the the love of your life, the answer is out there. If your goal is to lose weight, the answer is out there. Go look for the answer. Google that shit. My friend Constance Carter uses this term, Google that shit. Google that shit and find the answer. And and don't be like these other dumbass people who sit around in the middle of their misery and they don't want to actually do the work. They don't want to go find the answer. They don't want to grow. They just want to find somebody to make them comfortable in their bullshit. Somebody who will inject them with with, with heroin, dope them up and tell them, oh, you're perfect. You're you're amazing the way you are. and, and, And it's everybody else's fault. And then they still sit there with the same damn problems that they had before. Don't be one of those people you want to grow. That's my two cents. That's what I'm hoping that you you can take. All right, or, or receive. I hope it's received in the right way. All right, so I'm going to go, guys. By the way, uh, just so you know, we, we do have a, a love and money curriculum in the Black Business School at theblackloveblueprint.com. It's a, like a film series and everything, so feel free to go take a look at that. And also, there, there's this program, blackkeystogreatness.com in the Black Business School. Um, it did have a cost. We decided to make it free. Black Keys to Greatness literally is pure uncle voice, right? I don't even really go into financial stuff that much because I like to deal with the bullshit. So basically it's um, basically my breakdown on how you set goals and accomplish them, how to um, overcome obstacles, how to deal with haters, how to come back from adversity, you know, things like that. Things that I use in my life. Um, Because what I found is that, um, that, that 1% of people that actually achieve the things that they want to achieve. um, The the thing that makes them difference from the other 99% is they have a set of core philosophies that, that make them a little bit different. And I, I I dare to say that I think that these philosophies, like that's how I got through my PhD. That's how I was able to sort of figure out who I was and overcome my shit. So I just want to share that with you. It's totally free. So go to blackkeystogreatness.com. The URL's right there on the screen. Thank you guys for listening. I'm out of here. Have a good day. I'll see you soon. Be good. Peace. <laughs>